Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome to the Grace Curley Show. I am Caroline Levitt filling in for Grace on this Wednesday We've had a jam-packed show and still a lot more news to get to, so stay with us for the next hour. You can call me at 844-500-4242 or text Curly to 617-213-1066. I also want to give a shout-out to our loyal live chatters on Rumble. I see you. I hear you. I love reading your comments. Thank you guys so very much for listening and enjoying the show. We have a caller on the line who's been quite patient, so let's get to him before we dig into the chaos that ensued on Capitol Hill yesterday. But first, Adam, you're up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Adam. Caroline, thank you. You know, this is like a perfect storm. We've had three million illegal immigrants. The operative word here is illegal. I came to America many years ago legally and had to fill out a lot of forms and everything else. The other thing that's happening here is the birth of AI, which is whatever they say is going to eliminate jobs, period. Mm -hmm. So we have all these new people coming in looking for jobs. AI is going to eliminate them. So what's Mm -hmm. going to happen? We're going to have a lot of disgruntled people. And that's going to be really a recipe for chaos and disaster and possibly a revolution. Things are not looking good for America. We have no discipline. We have a president that spends like a drunken sailor, the money we don't have. And we just need, I, I'm praying that we get through this, but I'm not hopeful. Let me just put it that way. I just don't really have a lot of confidence in what the leadership, and really it's not Joe Biden. It's basically Obama who's behind this whole thing because Biden can't put a sentence together, let alone make foreign policy. And I think that's the concern I have is like, Three million people came in. Who are they going to vote for? Oh, they'll vote for Obama when he wants to come, when he comes back. If you talk about someone wanting to be a dictator, it's Obama, not President Trump. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Yeah, no, Adam, I I agree with you. I I do think it's more than the three million number that you cited. The last report I saw, it was seven million illegals. And remember, Adam, that's just that we know about, right? Uh, of course, there's been so many more gotaways that we don't know about that have made their way to American cities uh, and they're coming here for a free ride. I mean, we we played the cup before the last break. Let's just play it real quick again. It's only 13 seconds, but these are, don't take it from us, right? Th- these are the words of two illegals, African nationals who came all the way from Africa. I mean, that's not, that's a treacherous journey, by the way. So we need to be asking Who is funding this mass migration across the globe into our country? It is globalist nonprofits. It's the it's George Soros um, and it's the globalist elite that want to destroy America. They've been very vocal about their push for open borders. And now they have a puppet president who's allowing it. That's one of the 
plethora of reasons why they hate Donald Trump so much because he wants secure borders and to put America first. But these are the words of two African illegals just yesterday caught by Bill Malugin uh, at the southern border. Cut 13. I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you for everything, Joe Biden. I'm a good person. I want to be a good person here in the United States. I came here because I want quality life. You know, America is a, la- is a land of opportunity. <laughs> Not anymore, buddy. Uh, hate to break it to you, guys. <laughs> but you've been bamboozled. Yeah, hate to break it to you, buddy boy, but you might want to turn around because our country is going to look a lot like your country Pretty quickly, as Adam was just outlining, you know, the jobs. We don't talk about this enough, Adam. Thanks for bringing it up. You know, we have this mass migration of illegals who businesses can illegally uh, have these people work for their companies. You know, you think construction, you think agriculture for cheaper wages. And frankly, you know, sometimes Americans don't want to do those jobs. So we're taking jobs that way with this mass uh, immigration of an entirely new workforce. Then you have the um, surgence of AI, as Adam also mentioned, which the technology is going to replace the human labor that's required. You see it for service jobs. You walk into McDonald's, and I hate this so much when you have to order. Uh, yes, I, I sometimes I do eat McDonald's. Okay, people, whatever. I work out too. It's fine. Live your life in balance. Anyway, you uh, have to use the electronic thing to order your food. I hate that. I want to talk to human being, but that's the way the world is going. And then Adam didn't mention two other points that I thought of off the top of my head that are killing jobs. Federal government forced regulation on American industry. I mean, look at the automobile industry, these EV mandates. Uh, A group of car dealers just drafted and wrote a letter, more than 3,000 of them, to the Biden administration and said, please rescind your electric vehicle mandates. We are trying to keep up with it and produce the EVs that you want us to. But the reality is the consumer is not catching up to that. Nobody wants to buy these electric vehicles. And so those regulations are, of course, going to hurt these American companies. People are going to get laid off. And then, of course, we're outsourcing jobs to China by the millions uh, because it's a better playing ground over there for these big American corporations who have to deal with these federally mandated regulations. So there is a tornado right now of all these factors that are making it more difficult for American businesses, especially more difficult for small businesses, the middle class, the middle guy, and then, of course, the working man and the working woman. And, you know, the future of the GOP is the populist party of the working man, the working woman. Donald Trump transformed our party away from the elitist, away from the Liz Cheney, warmonger type who want to see endless wars. He made our party a movement of hardworking Americans who want to see our country and our businesses and our families put first. And that's why you see Liz Cheney and the never Trump Republicans coming out so fearfully against him because uh, they don't want to see our country move in that direction. I digress. 844-500-4242. We got another Adam on the line. You're up. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Sorry, I'm just eating down, scoffing down some lunch here. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, that was a really good interview with Carrie Lake. You you should have asked her, though, I wonder what it feels like to go to court, I don't know, like 800 times and lose every case. 
and then continue to go out and lie and say, oh, I really am the governor of Arizona. Don't you think that would have been a good question? Adam, I could tell by the tone in your voice from the second you hopped on the line uh, that you were going to be a moon bat, and that's exactly what you are. Uh, Carrie Lake has great credible evidence of election fraud in her state, just like President Trump and Republicans did in the election of 2020, in which many Republicans on Capitol Hill objected to those electors. And just because we have hack uh, Democrats who run the court system in America does not mean that those allegations are any less credible. I will take the word of literally thousands of Americans who signed their names on legally compromising documents on affidavits, uh, sworn testimony saying what they saw at the ballot boxes in 2020 and in Carrie Lake's election over hack partisan judges who sit on the benches that were appointed by Obama. Uh, so that's that, Adam. Thanks for calling 844-500-4242. Switching gears. <laughs> because I didn't want to talk about any of that, but I, I love the tirades that we get on. I really want to get into what happened on Capitol Hill yesterday. Because it's, if you think that we're run by a bunch of Looney Tunes, then... Uh, if you if you don't think it could get any worse, think again, because yesterday we had presidents of leading American universities testifying on Capitol Hill. We had uh, Congress people denying the fact that it is unfair for men and women to compete in sports and going on tirades about it. Uh, so let's get into that. Elise Stefanik, my former boss, who's fantastic. She uh, testified and pressed the presidents of Harvard and UPenn and MIT on their code of conduct. Of course, we've seen a rise in anti-Semitic protests on these campuses with no repercussions whatsoever for these students who are literally calling for the genocide of Jews, the genocide of Jewish students on those very campuses. Here's Elisa's exchange with the president of Harvard, Dr. Claudine Gay, Jared Cut Six. Harvard receives funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle East Studies Department, correct? We receive funding from a variety of sources because we have alumni from all over the world. But that is correct, right? The Middle Eastern Studies Department? We receive funding from it's various sources. It's a yes sources. or no. Are you not aware where the Middle Eastern Studies Department receives funding? We receive funding from various sources. I am asking sources. you a yes or no question. You are under oath in front of the United States Congress. You are giving lip service provided to your attorneys. It's a yes or no question. Harvard receives Ooh. funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle Eastern Studies Department, correct? We have alumni all over the world, and we benefit so the from, their, correct. from their yes. philanthropy. Yes. The answer is correct. We receive support from and our alumni a, from all over the and world that support, from individuals. And what amount of support is that reported to the federal government? I'd have to actually look at our filings. You I, don't know? As the president of the university, you don't know? Not that particular number. It's $1.5 billion over the past three years. Are you aware of that? I don't know if that is the correct number, but that's the number you've shared. Has Harvard reported all Regular of order. the federal? Oh, my time. We 
we also have another cut. So that was regarding, of course, Harvard's funding from uh, Middle Eastern entities and countries. She bucked the question, couldn't answer it. She also could not admit that the genocide of Jews is, quote, bullying and harassment. This is really startling, uh, and it, it, it certainly warrants the firing of these presidents at UPenn and Harvard. Listen to this. It will blow your mind. Darren, cut 17. At Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision. Context. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct... It can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. It can be harassment. <laughs> calling, Stop! He's already dead. <laughs> calling for the genocide of people based on their religious beliefs can be harassment. Claudine Gay, Liz McGill, UPenn, Harvard presidents, they clearly all got their talking points yesterday on the Hill from the same law firm. These people are controlled by the far, far, far left So much so that they cannot even admit basic common sense, basic truths. It is flabbergasting and extremely concerning that these are the presidents, the presidents of some of the formerly finest institutions and universities in America. You could not pay me to send my children to these universities, never mind pay them to indoctrinate my kids. What a absolute shame and harvard came out with a statement of uh, basically backtracking today of course their pr firm told them yesterday wasn't a good look when the whole world blew up at the fact that you couldn't condemn genocide on capitol hill i'll bring that to you after the break stay with us and if you're going to call it to a radio show while you're eating hopefully you're eating omaha steaks when you're calling in uh i'm a big fan of omaha steaks i always have some in my freezer because i you know i like to go to the grocery store and I can just stroll past the meat or I can look over there and just kind of <laughs> laugh at the people who are getting lesser quality meat and spending more money than you can get from Omaha Steaks. I love the beef franks. The hot dogs are my favorite. I love the bacon-wrapped fillets. Uh, I love the the regular steaks. The porterhouse is fantastic. Uh, they have chicken. They have salmon. They have. They even have uh, prepared stuff like uh, breaded veal cutlets, Chateaubriand. Uh, they, they have venison. They have... Doc, they have salmon, air-chilled chicken, uh, anything you can think of, Omaha Steaks has it. And the holidays are here, so let Omaha Steaks take the guesswork out of gifting. 
Shop for their carefully curated gift packages that are guaranteed to make spirits bright all winter long. Go to omahasteaks.com and you can save 50% site-wide right now. Plus, when you use promo code GRACE at checkout, you get an additional $30 off your order. That's half price and $30 off at omahasteaks.com. Send tender, juicy butcher's cut filet mignons, mouth-watering burgers, the gourmet, gourmet jumbo franks, easy-to-prepare meals, all of it. The possibilities are endless with Omaha Steaks, but this offer won't last long. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code GRACE at checkout. Omaha Steaks, it's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. It's like I have recently started always saying, you can't eat tube socks. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code GRACE at checkout to get that extra $30 off of your order. Minimum order may be required. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I'm Caroline Levitt, 844-500-4242. Harvard backtracking on their brutal testimony from uh, Capitol Hill, Elise Stefanik backing them into a corner. They came out with this a few moments ago. There are some who have confused a right to free expression with the idea that Harvard will condone calls for violence against Jewish students. Well, that's exactly what you did yesterday. Let me be clear. Their president says calls for violence or genocide against any Jewish community uh, have no place at Harvard. And those who threaten our Jewish students will be held to account. Hmm. Why didn't you have why didn't you say that when you had the opportunity to do so in front of the entire world under oath before Congress? yesterday that is a cleanup on uh harvard's campus if i've ever seen one they clearly see the outrage and the backlash that's coming from both sides of the aisle and they're realizing it's not going to be very good for their donations and their endowments thomas what do you say you're you're live on the line thomas go ahead yeah i mean uh, god bless elise stefanik because she asked a yes or no question it's a simple question do you support language that calls for the genocide of Jews? Uh, and to me, that's a no-brainer. Right. Um, you, you know, I, I, I'm a right-winger. I'm a Trump supporter. But if someone asked me, do you think it's okay to just bomb an Arab country? No, of course not. I, I don't want to see innocent people get caught up in the crossfire. But... <laughs> You know, if, if someone backs me into a corner with a yes or no question, I'm at least going to be consistent and answer yes or no. I'm not going to sidestep it with legalese. And that professor, that president of Harvard University, who is an African-American woman, the first one in Harvard's history, tells me that, you know something, deep down, she really, really has problems with Jews in this country. And if anybody, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Protestant. I'm a Jew in solidarity. But 
Do not donate a damn dime to Harvard. No way. And don't send your kids there either, Thomas. And good point. Imagine if she were white, refusing to condemn the genocide of African-Americans. I think people would be upset with that. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. It's Caroline Levitt on the mic for the great Grace Curley, 844-500-4242. We have Morgan Ortegas calling in the show in a few minutes. She's going to give us her perspective on that fiery exchange between Elise Stefanik and the presidents of Harvard and UPenn and MIT yesterday. We're also going to talk to her and get her reaction to President Biden's speech earlier in the White House. In case you missed it, it happened since we've been on the air today. Uh, President Biden is begging us to give more blank checks to Ukraine, and he even escalated uh, his promises a little bit and is now alluding to having American troops on the ground, fighting in Europe. This president is so committed to marching us towards World War II. Uh, and so we have now foreign policy, World War Three. My, my, my bad, World War Three. Thank you, Jared. Uh, we now have on the line a foreign policy expert. She is the CEO of Polaris National Security, and she's the former spokeswoman for the State Department under President Trump, Morgan Ortegas. Morgan, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, and by the way, to the list of titles you can add, I now am the host of the Morgan Ortega Show, which debuts uh, this Sunday, 11 a.m. Uh, on Sirius XM. Nice. Well, congratulations. From uh, I'm, a, I'm just a guest host here at the Howie Car Radio Network, but I can tell you radio is a lot of fun. So I'm sure you're going to have a blast and it will be a successful show. Congrats, Morgan. Thanks, Caroline. Appreciate it. So I want to begin today. I'm really excited to have you on. There's just so much foreign policy news we want to talk about. Our audience is weary and fearful uh, where this country and this world is headed under Biden. But first, I want to get your reaction, Morgan, to the testimony that we saw yesterday from the presidents of Harvard and UPenn and MIT on Capitol Hill. Elise Stefanik just backed them into a corner. God bless her for doing so. But their response and their refusal to condemn the calls for genocide on their campuses was so disgusting and alarming. And I'd love to hear your reaction to yesterday's testimony. Well, I'm with you, Caroline. First of all, thank you so much for bringing it up, because um, if if your listeners haven't seen it, haven't heard about it, uh, they should watch it because it is chilling. It is. I think it's one of those pivotal moments in history whenever historians look back at this time, Caroline, and they look back at the worst massacre of Jewish people in a single day since the Holocaust. Um, and, and when they look back at the massive rise of anti-Semitism uh, in this country, uh, that testimony by those university presidents, I think, will be one of the pages of the history book that, that sort of encapsulates this time and what's happening here. Let me also say Elise Stefanik is a good girlfriend of mine. I threw one of her first fundraisers 10 years ago in New York when she was first running uh, for Congress and you know believed in her. And man, if I was not proud of her last night. And the bottom line is whenever I'm a Jewish parent, Caroline, I have a Jewish daughter. And whenever you 
watch uh, that testimony yesterday, you look at it, you just lead yourself to conclude that my Jewish child is not safe at any of those rep- uh, universities represented uh, yesterday. I mean, I'd rather my daughter go to community college than Harvard University right now. I, and, and I'm serious about that, because how can I look at, at Harvard and UPenn and look at these presidents? And by the way, Elise just looked completely aghast. You know, it's one of those moments mm-hmm. when you could just tell that she didn't expect it to be as bad as it was when they when they completely uh, they couldn't even rule out rule out condemning genocide. And that's when Elise sort of shot back and said, uh, you know, well, when would you when is it that when is it genocide when people are in the act of it? Um, anyway, the whole exchange of that, I, I don't I don't I'm not going to do it justice, but the whole exchange was was just phenomenal. And I really think everybody, if you missed it, you should go back, you should watch it. Uh, and I want to thank Elise Stefanik, you know, my my good friend and and congressman in, in New York, um, for for standing beside the Jewish people because we we remember these days. We will remember who stood beside us, and we will remember who was silent uh, in the face of threats of genocide. Yeah, the the testimony certainly is damning. We did play it for our audience just before you joined the program. Elise is is my former boss on Capitol Hill and a great friend of mine too. So we share that in common. She's fantastic. And again, I mean awesome. the the whole world. Re- reacted to her testimony. Everyone from Elon Musk to Dave Portnoy was weighing in on it because it was just so flabbergasting to watch. It's not just these college presidents, Morgan, who have been refusing to condemn the rise of anti-Semitism we're seeing in America. It's also women's groups. I mean, it took Planned Parenthood, who pretends to be for women, more than a month to come out, more than two months to come out and condemn uh, the Hamas terrorists who brutally raped and tortured Israeli women. There's a story in the New York Post from yesterday that said, and it's 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 stomach churning to read, but the headline is Hamas terrorists had a thing with sexual organs and targeted the genitalia of Israeli victims. Yet you have allegedly pro-women groups in America who cannot even condemn rape. You have a sitting congresswoman in Jayapal who went on CNN. What does this say about the current state of the Democrat Party if they cannot even condemn rape? Uh, you know, it, it just goes to show, Caroline, that Believe All Women was a farce, mm-hmm. right? That I, I do think that there was an element of the Me Too movement that began very organically and began to, to, to try and hold uh, men in, in account, you know, who had done some of this. I mean, listen, as a, I, I'm 41 years old right now. As a young woman in politics in my 20s, I definitely, you know, faced and had to deal with stuff that I should not have had to deal with. And and if young women in politics today don't have to deal with, with the stupid stuff that I had to deal with in my 20s, great. I'm all for that. But the movement went beyond that to uh, really using it as a political cudgel and trying to tear people's political opponents down, not making any space in the conversation for things like due process, uh, which everybody is deserved of no matter what they're accused of. So it just goes to show that that movement, you know, that that just just became a farce, right? It it, it was about turning, weaponizing and and turning that movement into a political cudgel. And it's sad, right? It's it's sad for Jewish women to know, uh, to, to know that Believe All Women it counts for everybody but Jewish women. I mean, the fact that Israel has to show videos and pictures, they have to bring up a survivor um, from from the massacre on October 7th, one of the women who was at the festival, to talk about what happened to her and what she saw. You know, we, 
we are not, as Jewish women, we are not believed by the left, right? We have to have um, incontrovertible evidence, despite the fact, by the way, uh, that that not only Hamas, uh, but Shia militias throughout the Middle East, ISIS, you know, these, these terrorist groups in the Middle East, uh, they are terrorists. Not only did they go around cutting off people's heads and doing other, you know, inhumane, barbaric acts, they have been using uh, rape as a weapon of war for a long time. This is well document, documented amongst Yazidi women, as well documented in Iraq and Syria. Uh, rape has been used as a weapon of war by Middle East terrorists for a very long time. And so people that don't think that Hamas is capable of it are literally ignoring the last 20 years in the Middle East. Yeah, definitely. And it seems as though, you know, the the greatest champion for these terrorists sometimes is Joe Biden. I mean, what happened in Afghanistan is abysmal. We lost 13 American soldiers. And then that that country, unfortunately, has become a haven for terrorism. Once again, women and girls, the uh, progress that was made over the last several decades has been backtracked in the matter of months. And then you had, you know, the Biden administration removing the label of as a terrorist group for the Houthi rebels. Why did Biden's administration do that? That was a label that the Trump administration you were a part of Morgan uh, put on that group, rightfully so. Why in the Biden administration's right mind would they remove the terror label for a group who has now been emboldened by that action? I just don't get it. I don't know. I mean, listen, I was screaming about it at the time. Um, I'm often screaming about arcane things in foreign policy, so maybe people weren't really listening to me. Uh, But yeah, Caroline, I mean, I was saying that back in February of 2021. I was like, wait, what are you guys doing? By the way, there is a process. It's not like if you are a state sponsor of terrorism um, or you are labeled a terrorist organization, there are legal processes that that one can go through to remove those designations. It's not like it is, you know, something that's hung around your neck in perpetuity. For example, in the Trump administration, you might remember this, Caroline, we worked really hard at the State Department with Sudan. It was probably a two-year process uh, to get them out from under the state sponsor of terrorism designation that they they had had for many years. And at the time, things have gone downhill since then, unfortunately, in Sudan. But at the time, they had a much more promising uh, government. They were moving forward. They, they did not want to fund terrorism. And they wanted to open up to the West and get rid of that label. So I say that all to say that was about a two-year process that we went through with Sudan to remove that designation. And so, you know, my question for the Biden administration is what process did you go through with the Houthis? Did you get them? Sudan, for example, had to renounce that they were going to ever fund terrorism. Right. Sudan had to make a lot of proclamations like we are not going to do X in order to get rid of that designation. Were there negotiations with the Houthis? Were there discussions with the Houthis? Did the Houthis promise uh, to stop uh, committing acts of terrorism? Well, of course not. We know. I mean, I could answer my own questions. Uh, The Biden administration um, unceremoniously removed that designation and got absolutely nothing for it. By the way, not only did they remove the designation, Iran now has anywhere from 70 to $90 billion in sanctions relief uh, from their oil revenues because the Biden team has not enforced those oil revenues. What do we see in Venezuela, by the way? I mean, we're just we're all talking about the Middle East the past couple of days. Uh, uh, Maduro is looking like he's going to annex his neighbor, take over their land, maybe cancel elections. Uh, this is all stuff that looks like it's coming. Guess who, let, uh, guess who loosened the sanctions? Uh, on Maduro and on Venezuela, the Biden administration. So they are going around the world and undoing the really good policy of uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo and President Trump.
Trump and replacing it with stupid policy like like and it catches up with them. It's not even like we're in a new administration and 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 you know we they reap you know the the consequences of their policy decisions. I mean they're literally undermining themselves within their own administration. Yeah. The policy is that bad. For every reversal of a Trump era policy, there has been damning and deadly and negative consequences. And it's just so sad to see because it's unnecessary. I mean, the world was was peaceful under the previous administration. And so that's my last question for you, Morgan. We just have a couple of, of uh, minutes left. But, you know, you see Russia has invaded Ukraine. Hamas has brutally attacked Israel. To your point, Venezuela is now making moves to annex their neighbor. China is, is toying with the prospect of invading Taiwan. And then today, Biden goes into the White House. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw his comments, but he said that possibly American troops will have to commit to fighting in Europe. I mean, we are, by all accounts, marching towards World War Three, And so many listeners to this show are very fearful of that. What is your outlook on the next year before we can hopefully, fingers crossed, get a new president and get President Trump back into the Oval Office? But what's your prospect on the next year if Biden's foreign policy strategy continues? And what should and can average Americans do who are fearful about where this world is heading? Yeah, that's a really good question. I very much worry about the next year and what could happen. I mean, because, you know, nobody really had October 7th on their bingo card, right? No one thought that Hamas would uh, would commit these awful terrorist attacks. And so it's the surprises that really get you in foreign policy. Um, I will tell you in the, you know, in the short term, the things that really concern me is we are now facing almost daily attacks from the Houthis uh, towards American ships. So, you know, American, uh, our sailors on these ships are, are very experienced, very skilled. They're shooting down these ballistic missiles. But our audience, um, Caroline, must really process this. I'm talking about ballistic missiles from a terrorist group, right? In the early days now, I'm older than you, Caroline, but I, I spent a lot of the early and mid-2000s, uh, you know, it, it, on the global war on terrorism, uh, uh, doing work, counterterrorism work against al-Qaeda and other Sunni groups, right? They didn't have ballistic missiles. And, and that's something that I think that, you know, gets lost in, in the news of all of this is these terrorist groups that Iran uh, funds, trains, arms, equips, and directs, uh, these groups are not only sophisticated, they have weaponry uh, that, that I just never would have dreamed of 10 years ago. So you've got terrorist groups shooting ballistic missiles um, at, at U.S. military uh, personnel, and you've got the Biden administration saying, well, we're not really sure if it was directed at us. Wow. Well, what the hell does that matter? Right. Like, yes, it probably was directed at Israel, or it was directed at commercial shipping vessels in order to disrupt freedom of navigation, freedom of the seas, in order to disrupt trade and shipping routes. Well, I mean, does it really matter if they intended to hit the ship or they didn't, right? I mean, and we're just, yeah. we're just yeah. one... Uh, we're just one ballistic missile away from uh, a, a, a war with either Hezbollah or the Houthis or Iran. <sighs> and by the way, not that I'm completely against that. I just don't think the Biden administration can prosecute it. Yeah, Morgan, it's scary times, certainly, uh, under this administration. We so appreciate your insight today, Morgan. Hopefully people will tune into your new radio show. Best of luck. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, God bless you and stay safe. I'm Caroline Levitt. This is The Grace Curley Show. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back.
This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. I'm Caroline Levitt, 844-500-4242. It is time for the car crossover. Howie Carr is going to join us momentarily. And I'm going to ask him for his answer to our poll question today, which is sponsored by Preborn. The miracle of life is a gift that every baby deserves because every life is precious. That's why we've partnered with Preborn Pregnancy Network to help rescue babies through donations from listeners like you. Any amount will help. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your donation will go to saving babies. Please join us to donate securely. Go to preborn.com slash grace. That's preborn.com slash grace. Jared, how's the poll question doing and what does Howie Carr think about it? All right. Today's poll question is, what would you want dictator Trump to do first? Abolish the DOJ, arrest the mainstream media, (laughs) close the border or drill, baby, drill. (laughs) Uh, My answer. I vote for close the border. Howie, you're on brand with our audience today, I believe. 83% say close the border. I'm saying drill, baby, drill. I'm getting sick of these gas prices, Howard, and it's Christmas time. You're looking on on all these businesses trying to buy your family Christmas prezies, and, I mean, it's uh, getting expensive out there. Yeah, it's it's really getting expensive to have uh, 11 million uh, foreign freeloaders from the third world in here, uh, breaking into everything and stealing and uh, and committing all sorts of crimes. That's even more expensive, as as bad as the gas prices are. And it's not just gas prices, though. So interesting little fun fact, since we're in the Christmas spirit, Howard. In ni- and I watched Home Alone the other night because to get myself in the mood for Christmas. And in 1990, Kevin, in the Home Alone movie, he went to the grocery store. Remember, he buys those grocery items, a toothbrush, some laundry detergent. It cost him 1983. Okay, so in 2022... Snopes claimed that those items would cost fifty-seven seventy-nine. Now, just a year later, Kevin's order that used to cost nineteen bucks would cost sixty-eight ninety-nine in America today. The Washington Post fact checkers would debunk that, I'm sure, <laughs> just like they did that McDonald's uh, order from uh, from Idaho. That was a one-off, you know. They, it, it's it's true that that order did come out that much, but you know they had th- they had two fact checkers. They've never debunked the uh, the uh, Russian collusion hoax. They've never uh, they've never retracted their statements about Hunter Biden's laptop being Russian disinformation. But by God, they went after that sixteen dollar Big Mac. Don't you believe? You're a lion eyes, you American voter. Howie Carr's coming up next. That's it for me today on The Grace Curley Show. I'll be back soon. Don't you worry. Take care.